Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to our runners-up edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Fooey on the day job for delaying the recording and, well, Fooey on the dogs for wrecking the content. But here we are in what Dave Matthews might call the space between, discussing what could have been without disrespecting the opponent, celebrating the realities of this game without compromising the goal, discussing a season's end that so quickly has given way to player movement and forecast for 2022. I think so much of what this game represented was revealed in the minute after it ended. Saban and Kirby Smart meeting at midfield. Kirby asked about J-Mo's injury, and Saban, probably with too much of a grin, explained that Georgia kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. A moment of heart and honesty shared between longtime friends. I can't promise I'll maintain a similar grace over the next 30 minutes or so. So let's establish a couple of truths before we jump in. Okay, congratulations to Georgia and their fans. Of course, I'd rather we have won, but in doses, I can appreciate the joy of others. I did reach out to Herschel, who we interviewed before the first Georgia game, and just the excitement that he sent back in his his response message. Um, I felt good for him. I felt good for their fan base. I felt uh, good for him. Of course, that will wear off uh, living here in Atlanta and around all the Georgia fans and and such. But uh, in that moment, uh, I, I celebrated the joy uh, that he experienced. We've experienced it so many times. It is a unique joy. And uh, to get to see another fan base experience it, rather it be us, but uh, understand and congratulations to the dogs. On the whole, the whole 60 minutes, Georgia was the better team. I can cop to that. For stretches, Alabama was the better team. That, too, is true. Alabama held a five-point lead almost 50 minutes into the contest. Either team legitimately could have won the game, which is a truth rare for championship games under the Saban era. In a Shakespearean twist, this game, this conclusion to this season for this team was about perfect. Alabama was a flawed team all season, not expected even by Alabama fans 
to even make the playoffs, but in the end may have won the whole damn thing if healthy or ironically without so many drop passes. Georgia, as the preseason favorite, was dominant throughout the season, almost leading the way wire to wire. Criticized for a weak schedule, the Bulldogs beat back Alabama and their own demons to avenge the loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So against this backdrop, against these truths, let's do what we do. In our slice of the fandom, we provide a sort of guided tour through the season as it unfolds. Let's complete the job and get everyone back to their download machines safely. Offense, you're up. All right, so here we go. Bryce Young again logged a championship uh, caliber uh, effort, caliber performance. His stats may not 100% reflect it, but if you go back and you look at the game, if you go back and you look at the tape, Bryce Young was not the reason Alabama lost the game. Bryce netted out 35 of 57 for 61% passing, but there were four, five, six, seven, eight dropped passes by the wide receivers. Bryce Young put up 369 yards passing uh, of the total 399 yards that Alabama had. Bryce did have 43 yards negative rushing. These were sacks. Some of the sacks he scrambled and added on yards, and some of the sacks were just the linemen giving up uh, pressure. Uh, Bryce had one touchdown against two interceptions, but at the end of the game, everyone knew that he was passing and he was putting, putting the ball up. Bryce essentially lacked help. He, he lacked the help necessary to secure the win. The offensive line yielded pressure multiple times, and we've talked about receivers dropping well-placed balls. Check out, uh, there's a Mississippi State guy, Matt Wyatt. Uh, he did about a 10-minute breakdown, basically explaining Bryce Young's not the reason Alabama lost the national championship game to Georgia. Go check that out. I'm going to link it in the show, show notes. It's a real informed breakdown, breaking down footage, receivers running the routes, ball placement, where the ball is, is perfectly placed, under duress, knowing that he's going to get uh, popped in the chin, and he unleashes a ball that's right in the hands in his fumble, or right in the hands in the comp uh, completion uh, not completed. Wyatt is fair. He says, look, this is the lineman. This is a drop. This is something else. He talks about some of the balls being legitimate 50-50 balls and uh, the receiver needing to make the play in those situations. He's fair to both Georgia and Alabama. He says, hey, look, this may have been a push-off, but the receivers still got to catch this ball. He says on this play, this might have been pass interference, but the receiver still has to make the play on the ball. You can't count on the officials to bail you out. You've got to uh, go check that out. Like again, like I said, I'll link it in the show notes, Alabama Football Podcast at, or well, at .com. And uh, you'll find uh, a link there. Uh, watching that footage and sort of breaking that down and sort of thinking that through, a couple of things really popped for me. Uh, one of the dropped passes was in the end zone. One or two, had they been caught, they would have run into the end zone for touchdowns. One or two would have set up a score, even if just a field goal, but they would have set up a score. And all of the examples were across the 50. So it was Alabama moving the ball. These were drives stalling out uh, for no points or stalling out for field goals instead of 
uh, touchdowns all across the 50, many inside the 30, many inside the 20, some inside the 10. It's really, really uh, compelling. You never would expect to hit all of those passes. That's not realistic. It's a blowout if that happens. It's a blowout the other way. But that's not what we're saying here. We're not predicting that. We're not saying, but a couple of catches uh, and go back and watch the video. They're imminently catchable. This is not on Bryce. That's the point I'm making. One or two or three of those catches, and 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 I do think it's potentially uh, a different outcome. That's how close Alabama was to winning this game. But again, we talked about sort of the Shakespearean element. How fitting is this team that struggled with blocking, pass protection, and drops all season loses the national title game for a couple of quarterback pressures and a couple of dropped passes. This is who we thought that we were, right? This is, this is a sort of a, a, a coach Dennis, right? We are who we thought we were a flawed team and a suspect, you know, to the end. And, uh, and we saw it sort of, it, it, so we saw it as Alabama fans, we saw it bring our team down. Uh, Brian Robinson was heroic, uh, even if his numbers weren't spectacular, uh, he had 22 carries for 68 yards. It's only a 3.1 yard average. He did have a long of 16. Mostly, uh, I thought mostly at times we were running Ryan Robinson to keep the defense honest, but there were a couple of situations, and I hate to go back and sort of pick on the OC or pick on play calling. Georgia's a very stout front, and so uh, very few teams had success running just headlong into them. Uh, but there were a couple of possessions where I wish Alabama just would have said, look, we're pulling a pin on this and we're going to run the ball. Uh, sort of results be damned. We're going to line up and see if we can't blow them off the ball. There was a first and goal from the eight. This was after the Cameron Latou catch and run if uh, on first and eight. And it would have been second and, si- second and six because Alabama did run uh, on first down. That drive uh, stalled out after some incomplete passes and uh, netted a field goal. There was another possession after uh, an Ajay Hall catch where Alabama set up shop at the five, Uh, so first and goal from a five. That was at the end of a 10-play drive early in the fourth quarter. Uh, That drive also ended in a field goal. I think you got to take one of those, and, and maybe it's first and goal at the five, right? Uh, you've got to take that situation, and even if you have to say it and then turn around and not watch not watch it play out, but you have to say, this is four-down territory. We need more than a field goal, and we're going to run the ball. Unless we lose a lot of yards, we're not going to be you know, uh, crazy about this, but if we keep plugging and keep plugging and keep plugging, we think in four tries we're going to get five yards. We think we can get this into the end zone. And I'm going to say this is four-down territory. We're running the ball here unless we use, lose yards. And I'm going to go sit down and put my hand in my hand and just let the crowd tell me what happens. Uh, I, I think that's what Alabama should have done there. And, look, I'm not saying that we should have just plowed Brian Robinson between the guard and the tackle or the guard and center uh, four times. I think you can be multiple even in – running the ball. You can do a naked boot. You can do a toss sweep. You can do a fullback dive. You can just plow it in the line. You can bring in a defensive lineman uh, as, as, a, as a fullback and sort of do some sort of uh, misdirection. You can be multiple in the context or in the confines of the run game. And when you're setting up shop there, first and goal at the five, I think you've got to take your shot. Uh, I think you've got to, you got to plow the ball. And if you don't get it, 
If you're not successful, then you trust your defense. Um, that can come back and bite you in, in the rear end just as well as, as passing can. But this Alabama team, this personality, what I've seen uh, so far this season, I'd like the odds. Uh, I'd like the opportunity uh, to to do that in that situation. And unfortunately, coaches called uh, different plays, especially with all the drops, uh, continuing to pass the ball in that situation. It's a short, confined field. All the things that we know, all the things that we talk about. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, talk about Jamison Williams. He was JMO um, all the way to the end. He had four catches, 65 yards. Obviously, we know his long uh, play for 40 yards. And I want to talk about that. That was first uh, first and 10 uh, at the Alabama, 40, uh, Alabama 25. Uh, that was the first play from scrimmage following Georgia tie in the game, uh, 3-3. Uh, we know that JMO's a difference maker, and so we pulled the trigger, uh, hoping for a quick score, hoping to, to, that he would take it all the way in, and he may have had there not been uh, an injury. Uh, but the fact that we knew we had that bullet in the chamber, we knew that we had a weapon that we don't think Georgia could have consistently defended, and we have evidence of that being true, uh, to pull that play out in that moment, uh, hoping for a touchdown, certainly hoping to sort of uh, tilt things in Alabama's favor using this weapon that we know causes fear for our opponents. Go back to the last three or four games uh, of the season uh, against Auburn when he went out for uh, the uh, penalty, hitting, uh, leading with his helmet. You could hear, even across the TV, you could hear the Auburn fans cheer. They knew that's a weapon they couldn't defend that was now out of the game. We heard the sideline reporter when Alabama played Cincinnati that when he was out for injury, that and that should have been uh, potentially called for targeting as well, but it doesn't matter. He never should have run the ball out. But when he did, when he did, and he was taken out of the game, the defenders for Cincinnati were up and down the field, running up and down the sideline. He's out. He's out. He's out. They knew who they feared. Uh, it was Jamison Williams. And similarly, uh, against, against Georgia, uh, we saw what he did against Georgia in the SEC championship game. It was a it was a player they could not consistently defend. And when he went out, uh, again, we heard the sideline reporter saying, he's out, he's out, repeating the, the players on the Georgia team. They knew who they feared. They knew who singular uh, singularly could beat them, and it was Jamison Williams. And uh, I, I hate that he went down with injury. Not for the impact of the game. Of course, I hate that as well. But just for the health of the individual, uh, I hope that he makes a, a full recovery and that I hope it doesn't impact his draft stock. We know that it will, but I hope that it doesn't impact uh, his career down the road. He was such a treat for Alabama fans to see and enjoy his contribution to the team, his contribution to this season goes very, very different. This might be a four-loss team. Uh, without uh, Jamison Williams. It's certainly not a team I don't think that gets to compete for the SEC championship, much less for the national title game. That is the level of contribution uh, that uh, that JMO made. There's other teams, other players that made significant contribution as well, but I cannot understate the impact that uh, Jamison Williams made. And as Alabama fans, he's sort of a one-hit wonder, a one-season uh, that we get to see him. But that's a player that we need to remember uh, and celebrate as uh, as we roll forward. Uh, other players on offense making big plays, uh, and there were a number. Uh, Alabama offense did put up um, the second high the, in the championship game. Alabama offense put up the second highest 
uh, offensive uh, day against Georgia. And ironically, it was behind the Alabama offense, the performance that he put up in the SEC championship game. About 150-yard difference. And uh, hmm, imagine that. Uh, Alabama had Mechie and Jamison for almost the full game. If you think two players, two halves of football, uh, Mechie went out at just about halftime of the first game. And so we had uh, the two players for three of the four halves, if you will. And in the championship game, uh, I think we had them for one of the four halves, for counting halves by player. Uh, so there are a number of players that uh, stepped up. Uh, Cameron uh, Latou certainly was one. He had five, five catches for 102. Uh, surprisingly, uh, he had a 61 yard. He caught the ball and just trucked it down the sideline. Uh, not quite uh, fast enough to get to the end zone, but uh, on another play, he did have a touchdown and he also had a drop in the end zone, which we've talked a, a little bit about as well. Uh, Ajay Hall, it was great to see him contribute. It was great to see him play. Uh, he had a couple of drops. We would have liked to have seen him uh, sort of break onto the field much earlier in the season. So sort of all the rust would have been uh, uh, worn away and uh, his, his sort of comfort level with the quarterback would have been higher. Uh, but nonetheless, he took the he took the long way around to, to the field. He had two catches for 52 yards. Uh, like I said, a couple of concentration drops. He reminds me, and it's maybe uh, a couple of different factors. I think uh, – uh, I think the number a little bit, but he reminds me of Ardarius Stewart uh, a little bit. Uh, Ajay's got a ways to go to be an Ardarius Stewart, but when he runs, it seems like it's all knees and elbows. And so it'll be interesting to see when he spends more time uh, with the uh, sort of the speed coaches, if he doesn't straighten up his uh, his run and get more of his momentum going, uh, sort of going east and uh, uh, north and south as opposed to east and west. He's a lot of knees and elbows. Uh, when he runs, but he looks uh, looks like he's going to be a pretty good athlete for Alabama, and he did uh, communicate that he's coming back, so that's certainly good to see. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, another youngster at the wide receiver position. Again, another couple of drops. Uh, Matt Wyatt uh, picked on uh, actually all three of these guys, uh, but they made some nice plays for us. Uh, Brooks had six catches for 47, and uh, look forward to all three of those guys uh, coming back and uh, blossoming into – uh, better players as time passes. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, he has left uh, the team and he is going to resurface in Texas. Uh, but one of the things, and I want to credit Jordan on the Zoom call for uh, for bringing this up, but going back and watching it uh, a little bit, it was certainly a play that uh, brought out uh, the emotion of Bill O'Brien on the side uh, in, in sort of the coach's box. You could see it on TV. You couldn't hear him, but you could see it on TV. And uh, I did uh, potentially a pretty good impersonation of uh, Bill O'Brien uh, on uh, on a play, uh, Jaleel Billingsley. Jaleel Billingsley, it looks like a, a first down play. He cuts off the wrong foot, gets his uh, defenders in good position, but Jaleel uses poor technique, uh, cuts off the wrong foot, uh, gets tangled up, and then falls in what would have been the right play call. He would have been open, would have been a catch, uh, and it would have been a first down helping Alabama move the chains. I do think at that point, it was it may have been that specific moment. Of course, when I acted it out, uh, that's that's I took the I took the liberty, but it may have been in that moment where the coaching staff, especially O'Brien, said, I can't count on this guy. I cannot count on this guy. He cannot even cut off the right foot to make a play, a critical play in, in a ball game. 
Uh, I can't put him out there. I can't trust that he's going to make a play uh, for us later. Now, literally, Billingsley did continue to play. He was targeted a couple more times, but he did net out with an empty uh, stat sheet. And so that's sort of an interesting thing there. Go listen to the Zoom call, right? Uh, we had a little bit uh, a little bit of fun with it, but a lot of really good uh, conversation there as well. But it did look like Billingsley. It did look like the coaching staff uh, sort of gave up on Bill, Billingsley there because he proved himself uh, yet again not to be prepared, not to be concentrating, and uh, just not dependable. And I hate to say that about a guy, but the, it, there was a play there where that seemed to really crystallize. Like I said, we had, we had, had some fun with that. Uh, offensive line in general kind of was what it was uh, all season, uh, just not good enough in the end. Uh, and we had some misses there at the right tackle position, uh, which uh, sort of got in uh, Bryce's face, made some passes uh, more challenging than they, they should have been, certainly contributed to some loss yardage as well. Let's flip the field to uh, defense. I thought the Alabama defense played very well uh, just until it ran out of gas. Uh, they held Georgia to uh, 4 of 12 on third down conversions. Uh, it's a pretty good uh, percentage there. Will Anderson was a disruptive force. Again, his contribution outweighed his stat production, his stat line. And you could say that, and we have about you know nearly almost the entire season. He should almost, other players that put up big numbers should almost have to pay a Will Anderson tax on their stat line. That they should, that some of their stats should accrue to Will Anderson. That's how disruptive Will Anderson is. He netted uh, himself four tackles, uh, one pass deflection, and he was really leading the charge. There's not a numeric to put on this, you can't quantify it. But when it looks like Stetson Bennett was rattled and we're a play away from just shaking his confidence and him throwing a pick six and just and really sort of breaking the game open that way, it looked like that was going to happen. The commentators, Herbstreet even said something not quite all the way to that effect, uh, but he certainly suggested uh, that Stetson's looking rattled here. Will Anderson was the name and face uh, on that. Other players, though, we're putting up stat lines. Christian Harris, uh, again, really owes a tax to Will Anderson. He had seven tackles, three sacks, uh, four TFLs. Dallas Turner lining up opposite of Will Anderson. He had four tackles, uh, two sacks. Uh, so the offensive or the defensive front uh, I thought was very physical. Uh, I thought Phil Mathis played a really good game. He went out late with a shoulder and haven't really seen or heard a lot about that. Obviously, if we had played uh, this next week, they'd have more of a report on that. But um, looks like looks like he's going to be okay. Maybe it was just a stinger. Just a really love some Phil Mathis, and uh, hopefully he uh, is able to get back, train for the draft, and uh, and do well in that regard. I want to talk about the the cornerbacks. Alabama started two uh, new cornerbacks. Kari Jackson making he's a JUCO transfer. He had four t- uh, two tackles. He made his first start, and then opposite him, Kool-Aid McKinstry had four tackles. Kool-Aid's made a couple of starts. But if we go back, and we talked about this, when you look at the beginning of the season, uh, Jalen Amore Davis, uh, uh, Josh Job, uh, Marcus Banks, we played, the, Alabama played the national title game with their, to be their third and, and fourth or fourth and fifth cornerback uh, uh, relative to the start of the season. And so that's an impressive thing. Uh, to be able to do that and and still, in a general way, hold up well. There was a moment 
it didn't last long, but there was a moment where I thought Kyrie Jackson may have the strangest play of the game that uh, that that we would be likely to see. Uh, he was beat. Uh, his technique was a little off. He was beat, and uh, he just tackled the receiver on what would have been uh, a touchdown. And you think, man, if the defense you know can force a punt here and and Alabama can go back to score, and, and if the game sort of goes that way, then you could point back to that pass interference being a pivotal point in the game. And normally negative, uh, but here it could have been very, very positive. Uh, it turned out Georgia had uh, had nothing to do with that. Uh, a couple of plays later, they actually beat Kyrie on a long uh, touchdown pass, so sort of sort of washed itself out. There was a funny moment at watching it, though, where I thought, boy, I'm ready to declare that the – uh, the play of the game, but it uh, didn't didn't play out. Uh, I do look forward to those guys uh, sort of growing and maturing, and uh, I think we're going to have great competition at the cornerback position. Uh, those two uh, fellows with Eli Ricks coming in, uh, we're going to have three really good corners and uh, some hardy competition there for the top two. A lot of other defensive backs uh, there as well. Uh, Brian Branch, I think, had the most is sound worse than I mean it, but go back and watch. Uh, I think Brian Branch had the most lackadaisical fumble recovery uh, that you could ever imagine. And the reason being is he did not realize that he was recovering a fumble at the moment that he recovered a fumble. Uh, there was a look like was Stetson throwing the ball on the ground. Was it a fumble? The ball bounced up and just sort of found its way into Brian Branch's path as he was running out of bounds. And he just seen, he just got it as his foot was in bounds. And so it was very, very close. Uh, but uh, I think the footage was right. I also think the footage was right that it was a fumble and not an incomplete pass or not uh, not an attempted pass. Alabama had a uh, sort of a, a, a pass that was uh, – it was a pass and had a sort of a touchdown called back for Georgia. This one was, I think, clearly a fumble. Uh, when Stetson's bringing his arm back, the bar, ball starts to roll out. And so as his hand's coming forward, and his hand is coming forward, it just doesn't have the ball with it. And so go back when you were two and three and four years old, and your dad was teaching, your mom was teaching how to throw a ball, uh, you got to take the ball with you when you when you move your hand. Uh, and Stetson was not. So that was clearly a fumble. And then uh, Brian Branch there was sort of a lackadaisical uh, fumble recovery. Again, who knew that that was a fumble recovery? Even when the officials called it recovered by, how did that happen? Who the hell recovered it? Because we didn't see anyone uh, recover it. And the way that it happened, the way that the ball was batted and, and bounced out, again, interesting uh, interesting play. There was a thought. There was, again, sort of these moments in time as you're watching a game. There was a moment in time where, of course, you, the Georgia fans are booing, as you would expect. Uh, Alabama fans would have booed as well. But there was a moment in time I thought, if Alabama wins on this sequence, if Alabama wins and it's sort of attributed back to the sequence, if Alabama can punch this into uh, a touchdown, they were not able to, uh, but punch this in for a touchdown, and then the defense continue to do what it's doing, Alabama wins the game, Georgia fans will line up at the bridge to jump off. And it turns out that uh, those were some of the demons that Georgia exercised uh, to overcome to, to, to win the game. So, uh, damn it, I hate that they won, but uh, kudos for them for their perseverance there. Uh, let's talk special teams a little bit. Uh, not a whole lot to say. Some good and some bad, uh, like we've seen all season. 
Uh, Will Reichert was four of five on field goals. His one miss was blocked, so that's bad. And Burnup, James Burnup, he had four punts, uh, a net of 148, an average of just over 37. He had a long of uh, 43, and he had two inside the 20. And if you juxtapose that to uh, Jake Camarda, the Georgia punter, he had a net of uh, – he had now he had five punts as opposed to four, but he had a net of 223. And so that's a pretty big uh, – that's a pretty big differential, 60, 70, what, 75 yards – uh, on on a different yards difference on on one punt, uh, he averaged. Uh, Kamara did forty four yards, had a long of fifty two. He also had two in the twenty, uh, two inside the twenty. So you know the two in the twenty does is not an excuse for uh, the low average. Um, Alabama needs some help at the punter position. Uh, whether Burnup sort of matures into that uh, this off season, we'll see. If we need to go back to the portal, if we need to figure out Jake Martin. But I think Alabama needs to net not lose uh, field position. Uh, there was a stretch in the game where the teams traded punts, and Alabama kept going uh, backwards. Georgia kept going forwards. Alabama kept going backwards, and it's all just because of the exchange, uh, the lost yard exchange uh, on the punts. You want to net, right? It's like a currency exchange. You don't want to lose money on the currency exchange. That's an arbitrage for for the bank. Well, here Georgia had an arbitrage in the exchange, the punt exchange, uh, between uh, the two players. You can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, What's next? All right. We're going to take this a couple of different uh, directions. The first thing we're going to do, you know, normally we say what's next. We we transition from the game we just talked about, and we start thinking about who we're going to play next, right? That's sort of the the nature of, of this segment. Well, we don't have an opponent. There is no next. This season is over. The 2021 season is over. Now, there's a lot of sort of next in terms of topics, uh, and and we'll talk about that. But let's take an exhale. We've talked about this a couple times on on the uh, you know as the season sort of unfolded, and we talked about this being a flawed team and such. Let's exhale. Let's take a moment and let's pause, and not just a moment, but let's take some time and let's celebrate this team. I honestly believe that this is Saban's best coaching job. Saban talks about the process, not necessarily the outcome. And so to say, well, this is coach's, you know, best job or this is his best sort of season, um, yet it didn't win, result in a, in a championship. That's playing the results. That's not playing the process. Look at where this team started, replacing so many players, so many star players, replacing so many coaches, star coaches. Um, new quarterback, new lineman, new wide receivers, new running back. I, I think I saw where three of the six finalists for NFL Rookie of the Year are Alabama players. And those players all had to be replaced, amongst so many more that had to be replaced. This team started so much behind where normal Alabama teams start. And so this team made up a lot more ground over the course of the season than what you might expect an Alabama team uh, to have to make up. Of course, they were the preseason number one. I'm not talking about that, but just the number of positions and and the production that had to be replaced from the prior season. This team had a greater sort of deficit to overcome, and they did. And they fell just short of winning the national title uh, amongst all of that setbacks, all of the ankle weights that this team carried with it, 
uh, a line that never really seemed to mature into its own, except, you know, say for maybe one or two games. A position where, for my money, Alabama was very much outmatched or outmanned uh, for most of the season. A almost a roster of wide receivers that everyone had a turn at dropping passes. Even the stars, the Mechie and the Jamo and, and the Latou and the Slade Bolden, sure hand Slade, everyone had a drop and so many other wide receivers uh, as well. This team overcame all of that and was really in the title game, which again, a little bit of a surprise, but was so close, was so close to winning. I know the final margin, but with the lead, 10 minutes left in the game, that's uh, that's pretty compelling. That's pretty close. There's a lot of teams that would trade uh, positions with, with Alabama in that regard. Now this team that's returning so many players has a taste for blood. And so Saban, don't let a loss beat you twice or don't lose the lesson from a loss. This team's gonna. This team, I think, is gonna come out um, from this from this experience. Uh, the twenty twenty two team will. So let's celebrate this team for all that they overcame, the uniqueness, the flawed, uh, all of those things. But the stars that emerged. This was the emergence of of Will Anderson. This was the emergence of 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 Jameson. This was the 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 emergence of of Brian Robinson after waiting so long. Let's just take a moment and uh, and celebrate that for those guys. Uh, now, in terms of next topics, you know, this team is going to go through a lot, and we're going to talk about some of it on the podcast, just not today. We're going to talk about the roster turnover, the players going to the NFL, the players that are graduating, transfers in and out. Uh, we're going to talk about the new recruits that are going to come in. Uh, and where we sit recording this, there's still, a, there's still sort of the secondary signing day. Uh, and it's, so it'll be interesting to, to see how that goes. Transfers in or transfers out, uh, there's sort of a runway for that. I don't think JMO and Henry Toa Toa, I, I don't think they uh, committed to Alabama, signed with Alabama until late spring and summer. And so we're still talking January here. So there's a lot that can still happen uh, in the portal. Players that haven't even announced yet, haven't even decided that they're going to transfer. Uh, we may still, uh, Alabama may still get players from those teams. Uh, the coaching turnover. We know that Jay uh, Vallea is, uh, hopefully I'm saying his name right, is going to Oklahoma. It's a little bit of a uh, progressive step up from him. Uh, I predicted that he was going to hang around at Alabama for a little bit. I was not right, uh, but uh, we'll see. So we know that Alabama's bringing in at least one coach. We think there's speculation that there may be others. So there's there's coaching turnover still uh, to do with uh, to deal with. And we're going to cover a lot of that in the offseason. Uh, in terms of the podcast, uh, we're going to have more content this offseason. Uh, we're already working on one interview. We'll be uh, hopefully doing others. Uh, we'll have A-Day, more A-Day content than you know maybe what we have typically done. And uh, we'll have more sort of uh, roster toner, turnover. And then we'll get into our preseason like we do, and we'll have some good content uh, there as well. We have two very, I'm going to limit how I say this. I'm going to limit how I sell this, but I'm going to direct you uh, to where you can find out more information. There are two incredibly special opportunities emerging on the Zoom team. You know, think about almost concentric circles 
We've got the mass audience. We've got a support team, and we appreciate every one of you. And then we've got even a subset of that uh, that have join, uh, joined and participated on the Zoom calls. And sort of organically, three or four things have emerged uh, from, from the Zoom call, an email list and a text group and a chat list has sort of organically sort of blossomed from uh, from the Zoom uh, call. And we've got a couple of additional things that are going to manifest this offseason uh, and into next season coming from the Zoom call. And it's probably not fair uh, for me to, to pitch and promote it here because that's, that's sort of an organic offshoot from the Zoom call. But what I tell you to do, it's worth the two-buck trial to go listen to the last Zoom call where we really talk about some of that. Uh, and if that's something that's interest uh, that is of interest to you, then sign up as a as a full fledged member and uh, start participating in in the Zoom calls, and uh, you'll have an opportunity to uh, participate in those items as well. So uh, that is an invitation, uh, but that's like an invitation. Uh, it's an invitation by invitation. I'm inviting you to go check it out, plug into that group, and then uh, and in that group, I'm sure we'll welcome you into into those opportunities. But it's not something I feel like I can just pitch here because uh, I'm not the originator uh, of some of this stuff. The Zoom call is. It truly is uh, It's like uh, the T-1000 or the T-2000. Uh, it's like Skynet going active. The Zoom call has gone active. And so you need to be on the Zoom calls uh, to participate in uh, that, that Skynet uh, going active. So with that, I'm going to say that I appreciate every one of you for downloading uh, for listening, for for supporting us. Uh, this has been an exciting season, not only for Alabama football, not only for the Crimson Tide, but certainly for the podcast team uh, and the things that we've done and the things that you've allowed uh, us to share with you. We so greatly appreciate that. Uh, words can't really say it. So uh, we do so greatly uh, appreciate it. And we look forward to doing more, uh, more this offseason, more interaction, more engagement, more Zoom calls, more stuff next season, more interviews. And uh, what we'd like for you to do is if you're enjoying these, hey, go out to your podcast downloader and leave us a review. Leave us a five-star, leave us a review. That helps people uh, find us. If you have questions or topics that you would want us to engage with and spend time with, and we've gotten a number of topics over the years uh, from listeners just like you, drop us an email at alabamafootball.com. Yeah, Alabama Football Podcast at gmail.com. Go to the website, alabamafootballpodcast.com. There's a contact page. There's actually a lot of pretty good content there, I think, but there's a contact page where it'll drop you in our email as well. Uh, we are on the Twitter machine and Facebook as well. And so you can look us up and follow us and track us there as well. So we look forward to engaging with more of you this, this offseason. And uh, we look forward to getting some additional content out, tracking the roster turnover, all sorts of good stuff. So with that, this just in, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide, my friends. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. 
check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.